Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, yo? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast here on GoBalls247.com. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything in your life is going the way that it needs to be going on this beautiful Friday morning as we're recording this. Uh, probably be late Friday morning, perhaps early Friday afternoon as you're listening to this. Regardless, hope you're doing great. Hope your weekend goes well. Hope you got some good plans. Hope you're enjoying these summer weekends. Uh, For some of us, at least those of us in this business, summer weekends are really, really important for many reasons uh, where we get to catch up on a lot of stuff that we do not get to do during lots of the other times of the year. Not just me on this podcast. We're going to go over to that undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown, and we're going to go down to that unnamed home studio and get to Ben McKee. Fellas, how are we doing on this uh, good Friday morning? I'm good. I'm glad to not be in Nashville anymore. So. <laughs> spoken spoken like a true Memphian. I'm I'm doing well, Wes. I hope you're well as well. Yeah, doing all right. I uh, got a little bit of a of a voice thing going on. I don't know if it's uh just being tired from the past couple of days or if it's um, you know, my kid just had croup and I finally got it. I hope it's the former. Hope it's the former. Think it's the former. So I think we'll be all right, but everything is Sound like well. you always do to me, Wes. Do I know? Sound like I always do. Yeah, that's probably probably about true um but regardless uh guys it is darn near football time in tennessee as josh heupel said yesterday at sec media days in nashville down there at the grand hyatt in the crane city the great crane city of uh, nashville tennessee he said yesterday 44 days until uh football time in tennessee so today it is a richard petty 43 days until football time in tennessee it's amazing uh, it just seems like yesterday uh, that that Ben and I were were you know leaving Omaha, <laughs> and here here it is. This is the way that it goes, right? It used to feel like summer was a couple months. Now it feels like it's a couple weeks. Um, but it is almost time for Tennessee uh, to not quite put pads on. They got to wait about a week or so before they do that. But get going nonetheless for camp here in just a couple of weeks, and then Virginia, uh, the Vols will be back in Nashville uh, in forty three days to play the Virginia Cavaliers, a game they're expected to win pretty comfortably, but you never know. That's how football goes. Uh, it's uh, it's always interesting. Season openers are interesting things. But regardless, we're here to talk about it, guys. And 
you know, you get that feeling, right? When you walk in there for SEC media days, it kind of starts to shift that gear a little bit. And I know Pat's, you know, the, the football guy year round, but but for for a lot of us, I think you walk into the building for SEC media days and it, it just kind of turns that brain like, oh, oh, it's here. Oh, it's here. It's football time. So you get a little bit excited, uh, maybe just a tiny bit, uh, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, eh, summer's about to end but for us, but mostly you get excited because it's almost football season and it's uh, it's good to catch up with people, good to be in the building. Um, I, I know Ben stayed home, which is rare for a guy who works his tail off all year round, so I'm glad he got a day to stay home. Um, but, Pat, what, what did you uh, what'd you think? Uh, you were there. Uh, like I was uh, yesterday. What, what what did you think of uh, Tennessee's performance there with uh, with Josh Heupel and with uh, Jacob Warren and with Omari Thomas and with Big Joe Milton? Yeah, Wes, it's it's the it's the unofficial kickoff to the season. You yeah. know, it's it's coming. Football's usually a week, two weeks away. Tennessee will report for camp on August first. Uh, they'll hold their media day uh, that day. We'll probably hear from Josh Heupel again and. Uh, Tennessee's coordinators and a handful of players before they they start practice the next morning. But um, yeah, it, it's here, and and uh, I think the biggest things to me were uh, Tennessee sort of embracing expectations and being mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're 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 trying to win championships. Last year was great; we did a lot of good things, but we didn't do what we wanted to do, which was uh, you know it, it's sort of a three step goal for Tennessee, right? You got to win the SEC East; that gets you in the SEC championship game. Yeah trying to win the SEC. And if you win the SEC, you get to go to the, you know, you're in the playoff and you're playing for the national title. Uh, in a couple of years, you might not have to do any of those things to get a shot at a national title because yeah. with the 12 team playoff, if it had been in place last year, I think Tennessee would have been in the field. So, um, you know, in a couple of years, 10 and two in the SEC probably will get you a, a, a shot at the national championship game and potentially a home playoff game, which is, uh, you can imagine that scene at Neyland stadium in, in early December, but um, or whatever they're going to play those games. I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure to be honest, but um, that that was probably the biggest thing. Just because in the past we we've had, you know, we've all covered Tennessee teams that had expectations that you know maybe didn't want to talk them about them as much. But uh, this group has seemed to have been motivated by, uh, you know, a lot of fans are probably thinking a lot this offseason about what they did last season and, and reminiscing and watching replays of Alabama, Clemson, and so forth. But this team's like, they're focused on what they didn't do, the one thing they maybe didn't do. So um, that was interesting to me um, that they were that open about it. Um, the other thing was probably just Joe Milton. I mean, he's he's um, he's fully in the spotlight. Uh, Wes, I know you were over at his podium. It was a pretty big crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the uh, the bling on. He and he and Amari with the, uh, the chains, the uh, diamonds uh, chains that were uh, pretty good. You always like to see those guys kind of Show some style and and things like that in that setting, but and, and then Jacob um, and then Jacob Warren showing up like he was getting ready to do your taxes, which is very Jacob Warren, <laughs> very on brand, very very nice, right, right. And um, you know, just just you know, Joe is great. You know, he's I think he's I think he's grown comfortable um, in his own skin. I think he's um, sort of you know been ready for this moment uh, and been ready to sort of be the guy, and he is the guy. And um, I think there was a lot of interest in him. There's it's a interesting year in in the league for quarterbacks and you have this guy that has teased before everybody's seen him throw things a mile whether it be an orange or a football and you got asked about that throw at the manning passing academy last month um and he he's just this kind of big personality that that's going to get a lot of attention and and there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see how he plays and uh, there were a lot of eyes on him on thursday to see how he responded to the spotlight and um he seemed to be really comfortable in it and 
Um, that's that's kind of how how Joe's kind of grown over his time and and over these last couple of years of Tennessee is just getting comfortable in his own skin and, and continuing to be who he is, but having more confidence uh, in, in terms of interacting with his teammates and uh, with people like us and things like that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'm really glad Pat brought that up, Ben, because Milton said that a couple times yesterday where where he said basically, he said, listen, last year for our team was good. At times it was really good, but it, it, it was a good season. We want to be great. We don't want to be good. We want to be great, and great teams would have won more than we did. So um, I, I think it's a healthy mindset to to sit there and say, "Listen, we're we're happy. You know, we're 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 happy that we were able to get better last season. That was the goal. We but we had bigger goals, and we didn't reach them. And I think it's kind of healthy to sit there and say, you know what? Let's not act like last season wasn't a big thing for the program." But let's not act like it's what any of them came to Tennessee to do. I think that was an important step. And, you know, really, Ben, it's, it's the thing you're supposed to say, but still to go out there and say it and to have unanimity with everybody preaching that same message seems pretty clear that that's something from the program that is just understood at this point. Yes, and, and it's it's to me it's sad that it's even really a, a talking point uh, amongst Tennessee fans and and people that cover Tennessee because there have been coaches in the past who have tried to shy away from it, a.k.a. Butch Jones, who uh, tried to uh, divert attention when he came up short and, and would show up with these hey, how many alternate the, reality have, facts. Have they been on a plane? How many of those guys have been on a plane? But uh, about like when in uh, whatever the stats were, about the eight, nine wins for consecutive times, you know, the, the ones that Butch – uh, used to to like the the spout I, off left and right. I, it's like I I remember when after uh and when the 2016 team uh remember Florida like had to go play at LSU after the hurricane they won and clinched the East like during Tennessee's game at Missouri and afterwards I asked Butch about not winning the East and he was like I never talked about it that was never a goal basically yeah I do remember, go on I do remember that yeah. that's that's asinine like I I think that's more <laughs> moronic than what Jeremy Pruitt was doing, handing out bags of, of cash to, to recruits. I mean, you're, you're at Tennessee, one of the best programs in the history of college football. Hypo laid it out yesterday. They're they're top ten in, like, everything. They, they are one of the best programs in, in college football history. And and you're talking about how you're, you're trying to avoid the, the fact that it, it, the goal is not to win championships, like, that that was always my biggest issue with with Butch Jones is his lack of confidence, I, I guess, and, and his lack of um, awareness because you don't come to Tennessee to win eight or nine games and win the Music City Bowl and uh, win the battle at Bristol against Virginia Tech. Like, yes, th- those things are nice along the way as as you are building a program, but at a place like Tennessee, and really, I believe this is for every program on campus like the goal is to win championships sec championships and national championships because you have the resources to go do so especially the football program who is the breadwinner it is a football school at the end of the day and the way that josh heupel has embraced that i mean even from day one josh heupel has not talked about year zero and rebuilding and a four or five year plan it's always been Yes, this NCAA stuff is is not ideal, but these guys are still my players. We're going to coach them up, and, and we're going to go out there and we're going to compete for a championship. 
And that's only continued to elevate and elevate. So part of me, Wes, is like, man, it's it's really sad that this is really even having to be said. But I think if you you are somebody who follows Tennessee, it has to be refreshing because it hasn't always been like that. And unfortunately, you do have the scars of having to listen to Butch Jones for for five, six years. And and it it, it was just moronic, some of the things that were said during that time period. So to hear Josh Heupel and Joe Milton talk about, yeah, last year was nice. Last year was great. Uh, We'll always remember it. But we still came up short. I mean, Josh Heupel flat out said that. I mean, imagine that. You win 11 games last year. You beat Alabama. You beat Clemson. You beat Florida. You beat LSU. You have all these amazing wins. Hyatt wins the Bolitnikoff. Hinden was a Heisman contender. Tennessee was in the running to to make it to the to the playoffs. And Josh Heupel's like, nah, that, that was nice, but we failed last year. That's how it should be at Tennessee. Yeah, and I think it, it what's important is that uh, – it was really important for Hypel to say that at media days in particular. Be, and I know what they call it, SEC kickoff now. I'm never going to call it that. It's SEC media days. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. Um, but y- y- you, it was important for Hypel to say that at this event because once camp starts, Hypel's going to do what most coaches do. He's going to go back in a shell and everything's going to be Virginia, 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 Virginia. And this was the day to go out there, and maybe he'll do it to start a preseason camp, maybe for that first conference press conference. Uh, go out there and say, listen, here are the goals for this team. Let's not, let's not pretend that we're here for anything other than competing for championships. That is the goal of Tennessee. It's always been the goal. It always should be the goal. And it's good to have that that recalibration of the the brain, not not for not just for the program, but for people around the program, right? That whole BVS nonsense, that whole put your cup on for Tennessee stuff, like that, all that that whole mentality, and not just for football, but as a department in general. I think they're doing a really good job of of really kind of saying, nah, uh, uh-uh, uh, not doing that anymore. Um, so it's important to go out there and state those goals, and it's also important that it happened at this event, Pat, because I think we all know once the season starts what we're going to get from Hypel, which is nothing but the talk about the next opponent, uh, more sort of bland remarks, and that's just how it's going to be because that's kind of how he is. But it's good that at this event in particular they go out there and, and offer the big picture. Yeah, and it's it's different than Derek Dooley saying you're not going to have Tennessee to kick around anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like – um, you know, you have a basis for this team to go in and try to topple Georgia. I mean, they were, uh, they were, they were in position to have a chance to do that. That that's that's what it boils down to is, um, you know, this team was close last season, but close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So, um, you know, I, I think this team is is using last season as as they're taking lessons from it to know, okay, this is how we were successful. We have to replicate it and go a little bit better and. Uh, something that Heifel talked about off the the main podium that everybody saw on TV was um, kind of talking about his journey or, or, or this program's kind of rise is that they had a lot of ground to make up, obviously, when they got here. We all knew that. And then they made up so much ground so quickly that first season. Um, but as you as you make up that ground, as you try to get over the top, those last little you know, coaches like to use the word inches, but the, that last little hump is hard to get over. Right. I mean, we saw it with Georgia. They're the dominant force in the program in the country, but you know Kirby Smart didn't win his first national title till what his sixth season, I believe. 
Yeah. Right? Uh, they won the SEC, I think, in 17. And there was but, a lot of talk about, will this just be another Rick? Will this be another guy who can't right, get him Right, right. You know, they couldn't get over the Alabama hump. That was their hump. You know, they had to go through second and 26. They had to go through the fake pun and Jalen Hurts coming off the bench and playing here. They had to go, um, you know, I, there's probably some other ones in there that uh, that maybe I'm, I'm missing out on. But they had to go through some some kind of, you know, they had to sort of experience some hard times before they finally got over the hump and and for Tennessee the you know the hump now is is getting past Georgia which is it's, it's a mountain at this point yeah. um so and, and given Georgia's schedule Tennessee has like no room for air um and so you know they, they've got to get to that game in November with title you know division with division still um uh, on hand and, and a couple of guys try to get players to kind of bite about Georgia saying you know you want to win the east but the two-time defending champs are in there and uh, I think Amari Thomas was like, "Yeah, we're that's a hurdle, but it's way, way down the line. We can't worry about that now. We got to worry about all the other ones." So, uh, I thought that was a, a good measured answer from from one of these te- one of this team's leaders. And I thought it was interesting that Heifel at the podium, West, to to the point that Patrick just made. I, I don't remember the question that was asked uh, because there were a lot of Georgia questions asked to head coaches over the course of the week. Like, "Hey, how do you? Yeah, how do you as there should the be. Gap? Yeah, yes." I mean, there is a significant gap between Georgia and most everybody else. I, I was going to say everybody, but I, I don't think there's a significant gap between Georgia and Alabama within the SEC. Um, but amongst everybody else, I, I, I do feel like LSU, A&M, uh, Tennessee, teams like that. I, I will say Florida just because Florida is a, a big-time brand, although I don't think Florida is going to be good this season individually. Like those teams are, are they're, they're running up the elliptical, whereas, or or they've got the treadmill elevated, whereas Alabama is more they're they're not they don't have the treadmill elevated, but they are still kind of behind uh, Georgia if that makes sense. So I, I thought it was interesting that Heupel didn't even kind of mention Georgia directly. He was like, and again, I, I forget the exact question at the podium, but uh, he was talking about. Uh, what we are talking about and, and winning championships and, and not settling for what they did last year. And uh, he, he kind of referenced like, Hey, we still have a lot of work to do and and we understand the task in front of us and, and was referencing Georgia, but he said, but we play good football in our division. I, I thought that was an interesting way uh, to, to put it. And, you know, Wes, I kind of have a, a two thought process on this whole like championship conversation uh, because on, on one hand, I just laid it out. I, I At Tennessee, you, you can win championships. People in Knoxville understand that. Fans understand that. People like us who cover the team understand that. Uh, but I think it's been forgotten kind of outside of Knoxville. Like, hey, Tennessee actually has the resources to go win a national championship. Uh, so it's good that, you know, Heupel is not shying away from it, uh, which also speaks to his competitive nature, right? Like he was a national championship winning quarterback at Oklahoma. You would expect this from him. It would be disappointing if he didn't kind of have that that mindset, but he does still have that player type of mindset, which is also why he is able to relate to the team so well. Um, but it's good to see, on one hand, them talking about championships, and I think this kind of goes without being said, just making a separate point kind of out of the blue west, is like I even think three, four, five years from now, if Tennessee has – the season that it had in 2022 like yeah you didn't win the national championship but that's a season that should always 
be celebrated. And I, I'm not right. even talking about like beating Alabama for the first time in forever. Like if if it's 2028 and the same exact season happens again, like yeah, it wouldn't be the first time you you beat Alabama in forever. But doing doing that and, and beating all the other teams that you beat to win 11 games and win an Orange Bowl like that that should not be frowned upon just because you did not win a national championship. I, I agree. I don't subscribe to the championship or bust theory. I, now, I do think there are instances, and I think I've outlined this before on this podcast, like last year, like, yeah, I, I do kind of think it was championship or bust for Georgia because they were so much ahead of the field. But in most situations, like I don't really subscribe to the championship or bust theory because it's not the 80s, 90s, and 2000s anymore to where it's only a select few. The competitive balance is at an all-time high. The parity is at an all-time high. I don't think people realize just how hard it is to win a championship. Yeah, I'd be interested. It's, it's the ring It's the ring culture. It's in other sports, too, where yeah. you know the, everybody focuses on the end result, and sometimes people forget the the good times right i mean you know looking at if your team has a great regular season but they get bounced in the first or second round of the playoffs or if a team wins a a conference title in basketball but they lose you know they get upset in the second round everyone's going to remember that instead of all the you know the great wins and the you know winning a conference title that you know things like that so no i, I agree with you ben i, I think last season is always going to be special uh if tennessee t- continues to put those together i think at some point People will want to say, "Okay, you need to you need to take that final cup, you know, step or two. But um, you know, it, it, inside the program, though, that that's what you're playing for, right? You 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 play to win and, and to win championships and to win games, and and so that that's sort of the the mindset I think inside the program. Not to take they're not they're not taking anything away from last season, but I, I think that it, it's understandable that that's the next step, and it's a logical next step for for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I've wondered before if, if fans who were of a certain age. In that sort of you know nineteen ninety one to two thousand one run, where those people always said, "How did Tennessee only win one national title during that stretch?" How well the reason was Florida, but but how, how why didn't Tennessee win more titles then? Um, even why didn't it win more SEC titles? And and there was so much then about all that consternation of people of that age. But then that same group of people vividly remembers the 15 years after that basically and and sort of how how frustrating a lot of that was so i wonder if a season like that it, i wonder if their mentality is a little bit different now i would suspect for some it is and for some it's not because the ring culture people are always going to be the ring culture people and you know what fan bases need some of those people just it's it's not bad to have a few people in there who are like you know what championship or bust championship or bust it's healthy for at least a group of people to have that mentality. But I think overall, I just wonder if people who went through that time period, the the 15, 18 years or whatever it was in, in, in the middle there, if they wouldn't have a different mentality than others. But, but I do think it's – regardless, it's a healthy mindset. I really like the way – that Heupel and those players talked about that. And before, you know, we'll get to a break in just a second, and then we'll come back and talk about more specific details uh, from from the from the day's events. But I think overall, just I, I was impressed with the way, and I think we all were to an extent, and I'll let y'all speak for yourselves, but I think we were all sort of impressed with the way that they handled that, right? I mean, Spurrier said that there's, there's talking season and there's playing season, and yesterday was talking season. But they said the right things. I think they had that right balance 
of, hey, this was nice, happy about what happened, but here for more, here for more. And that's not easy because Georgia's not going anywhere. You know, Bama, you got to go down to Tuscaloosa this season after, you know, beating them last year in Knoxville. That's going to be a a tough game. Uh, There's a lot of tough games. It's an SEC schedule. There's a lot of tough games and a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, But I, I think that whole mentality of, listen, you know, yes, these teams are Georgia. Yes, these teams are Alabama. But we're Tennessee. I think that's an important mindset to have because that's something that needs to be in a real genuine sense instilled back into the program. Not just a, you know, hey, we're just hoping to kind of be involved or not this whole false bravado of we're Tennessee, so even if we're not good, we're really good. That that that's that to have that sort of genuine sense of what this program is and what it should be, I think is a good healthy thing. It is, and it should fire Tennessee fans up to to hear uh, Josh Heupel uh, just be quick and and to the point of of talking about, hey, we we're competing to to win much bigger things than than we did last year. I I think that that has to fire you up as a fan uh, to to understand that your your coach is the the ultimate competitor, as if he's the starting quarterback. I mean, I mean, he he has the bravado and, and the confidence of Joe Milton of the uh, Hendon Hooker, you know. And, and I I think again that that has to to fire you up because a that hasn't always been the case. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that this is a conversation, uh, but Tennessee did go through a decade of dysfunction as as we all know, and uh, there there were some really hard times and just some really embarrassing moments, not just on the field, but. Uh, publicly with a mic in, in front of different people's face. So uh, for, for Josh Heupel to have a almost like Josh Heupel doesn't understand that context. So to him, it, it's like, well, duh, why are we talking about this dummy? Like, of, of course, we're trying to win a, a national championship. Like, what else would we be trying to, to win? Uh, 11 wins and an Orange Bowl win is is glorious and awesome. But I, I want to go win a national championship. And I'm sure Josh Heupel understands that better than most people because he knows the feeling of winning a national championship and how sweet that feeling is. So I'm sure he is is really craving to to have that feeling uh, once again. So I just think that's got to fire you up as a, as a Tennessee fan. And uh, I also think that it's a good thing kind of getting back to, to takeaways from the SEC Media Days, Patrick, or Tennessee's Day on Thursday – is that there, there wasn't a lot to to really discuss. Like, I, I don't really think that there were a ton of takeaways, and I think that's a good thing. Like, it's it's been a quiet offseason for Tennessee football outside of the NCAA investigation. I'm, I'm talking about current team stuff uh, because, speaking of that past, like, that always hasn't been the case. You, you've heard of teammates getting into it with one another. You, you've heard coaches put their foot in their mouth, and uh, th- there have been dysfunctional – off seasons within the locker room and within the program and the last couple of years it's it's been very very quiet and I think that is a great thing and, and speaks to the culture that that Heupel has built and has instilled uh, so to, to me to walk away and think that that's probably probably the biggest takeaway I'd like to talk about his Oklahoma comments after mm-hmm. the break I thought those were those were interesting um, but I, I think it's kind of a good thing that there weren't a lot of takeaways and it was just kind of a, a whole hum. Let's check the box and get this over with and get back to Knoxville and get back to work. Yeah, that that's the that that's a good point, Ben. I mean, there's been some some off seasons where there's been drama on drama 
uh, at Tennessee and you're, you're always kind of, you know, you, in, in our business, you kind of take your computer with you to, you know, if you go over somewhere to, to hang out just yeah. in case all hell breaks loose. And um, I'm not saying you still don't do that from time to time. We still do that. Different yeah. parts of the, uh, different parts of the year, but you're, you're, you know, you know, you're not really expecting anything to, to hit the fan. Um, and I, I think that's a tribute to, to Tennessee's culture. I know that's a buzzword. Jacob Warren said he hates using that word, but I think it applies that, um, there's sort of a, a workmanlike business-like approach to how this team goes about its business. And that's something I, I asked Amari Thomas about. And, um, cause he was talking about when, you know, when these players talk about culture, they, they talk about how connected they are. Uh, he said their defensive line is as close as it's been since he's been there. Um, that that makes you work harder for the guys next to you, um, and it makes you have fun too. That's you know Tennessee has this slogan: "What's it fast, fun, real?" They they want to keep it loose, uh, and they want to compete. But um, that this team is you know their their heads are down, their their noses to the grindstone. They've they've been working pretty hard all all off season. I know every team does, but. Um, I think you have to give it more than lip service based on it's a lot of the same stuff we heard a year ago and look what happened on the field. So, um, you know, the leadership I think is there. This team has a lot of veteran guys, um, a lot of leaders that have, that have played a lot of football, know what it takes to, to prepare and play at a high level. So uh, they're kind of setting the tone. They're, they're kind of continuing on uh, what, you know, that first group of seniors, the Matt Butlers, the Theo Jacksons, the Valus Joneses of the world, kind of set the table at that first season and they just kind of built upon it, built upon it, kept it going. You have a big group of veterans, you have a big group of newcomers, but um, they jump right in and, and see how things are supposed to go. And uh, Heupel talked about how mature uh, this, this group of uh, this freshman class is. I think Tennessee really, really likes this freshman class. Now everybody likes the freshman class before they actually see them in a game. But um, yeah, that that's kind of the, uh, the the, the quote-unquote quiet offseason that, that you mentioned that Tennessee's had been and and sort of the ho-hum day they had on Thursday, I think it's just sort of a, a continuation of, of what's been happening in this program. And obviously, there's been some really good news on the recruiting front. I think they're, um, you know, they, they get Mike Matthews on Wednesday. Uh, maybe they get Edwin Spillman on Friday. We'll see. But, um, you know, that, that's been maybe the main focus of the team sort of just been behind the scenes doing what it's supposed to do. And, and as a coach and, and as a fan, that that's, that's what you want. You don't want a lot of players doing stuff on social media and, and causing problems and, and things like that. So um, I, I think that's maybe a, a good sign that Tennessee is focused on, on the goals that we've talked about. And, and that's been what's, what's been driving them this off season. And it's also good from a practical standpoint, since you're going to be on probation for the next five years, to just make sure you're behaving yourselves at, at all times. Just a good general, good general rule of thumb there. Uh, you don't want to be doing anything you shouldn't be doing for the next several years. So, regardless, uh, that was sort of the broad strokes. We do have some more specific things to talk about. Ben alluded to one of them. Some of the Oklahoma comments uh, that 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 Heupel made that were interesting. That they were worth mentioning, worth discussing. Also, some stuff about uh, from Milton. Some stuff from Omari Thomas and Jacob Warren. He had a couple of interesting things to say as well as he usually does. Uh, so, there's a lot to discuss, but we are a little little bit overdue for a break. So let's step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown and Ben McKee with you here as well. Hope everything's going well for you on this Friday morning slash early afternoon slash afternoon slash evening, depending on what time you are listening to this. Hope everything's going well with you. Hope your weekend is going to be a good one as well. Talking about Tennessee football on this episode after Josh Heupel and three of his veteran players went to Nashville on Thursday for SEC Media Days, SEC Kickoff, whatever the hell it's called now. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss from that. We're going to get right back into that after a quick uh, reminder, quick request from our end, if you could go in there and take about a minute out of your day right now, uh, a little bit less than a minute, actually. Go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out a lot. If you're just listening on the website, right here at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee athletics. There's nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. We appreciate it any way that we get it. But what helps us the most, and this is why we mention it every episode, is if you go in there, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Scoballs 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, and subscribe, which helps more people find this podcast, which helps us grow this thing more and more and more and help you help bring you more of this without having to do a ton of ads during the process. So it just helps us out in a lot of ways if you continue to do those things, which you have been. So we appreciate all that. And if you're already doing it, thank you. We'd love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, right back to the business at hand here. Um, I think we'll go ahead and start with the Oklahoma comments because Ben alluded to them earlier, and it's interesting. Uh, Since Oklahoma will be in the league next season along with Tejas, both of those contingents brought a surprisingly large number of people to SEC Media Days, I think. Um, You know, there's a lot of people who cover both those programs. They're big-time programs. That's why the SEC wanted them, right? They're, they're big programs, with especially uh, in Texas' case with the big market. But Oklahoma's got the OKC market. The other too. UT. Yeah, the, uh, the other UT. Is the wrong say. shade of orange, according yeah. to Josh Heibel. That's true. That is very true, and we'll talk about that too. But I think it's good. It's just sort of a reminder 
that hey Oklahoma Texas they're not just big names like they're a big deal like a lot of people are, are anytime they're involved you you got a lot of people from papers across the in that area going to things like media days when they're not even in the league yet so I think that that was a good sign but you know there were going to be guys from Oklahoma there you know they were going to ask Josh Heupel about Oklahoma they just were and he basically came out and you know the question was phrased to him guys as you know hey i know there's but maybe it's a bit awkward your relationship with ou since you know you were technically like fired when you were the oc there and he very quickly said no there's there's no bad blood there there's nothing awkward there we i that, that's a special place to me you know i won a championship there i had great memories there i got my career started there i got nothing but love for him which i, I imagine will make some tennessee fans go oh no he might leave at some point uh ben i didn't take it that way i took it as Hypel being Hypel and not wanting a controversy. And I also think it means, and this is just me guessing here, I don't think he's saying I have an awkward relationship with OU. I think he might have been saying I have an awkward relationship with Bob Stoops. Yes, and and that's why I wanted to discuss it uh, from the battered Vol fan syndrome <laughs> side, of, side of things. Because Positive that, vibes only, please. Well, uh, Vault Twitter was was kind of I, I don't think that they were in complete freak out mode on social media after after Hypo made those comments. Uh, but there were there. I guess the best way to summarize it was eyebrows being raised and, and maybe a little sense of, of anxiousness creeping in. Not not full freak out mode, but but a little anxiousness uh, when, when kind of thinking ahead to the future. My question for the both of you is was he being genuine and i think Wes probably summed it up perfectly like hey i don't have an issue with oklahoma i have an issue with bob stoops uh my take and and honestly i i hadn't even thought of that uh, until Wes said it and that is probably the the best answer but my my take when i first heard it was that hypo was just being political and, and he was given the political answer and, and trying not to uh, give uh, give it a storyline, I, I guess, and maybe he still ended up doing so. But he's not going to come out as the former Oklahoma Sooner national championship winning quarterback and and, and say, say F, F those guys. Right. He, he's not going to come out and do that. I thought he would have sidestepped it. If, if you would have told me that that question would have been asked and asked me to give a prediction for what his answer would have been, I think he would have ignored the question altogether. So I am kind of surprised that he even gave an answer or, or even acknowledged it because he could have answered the other question. It was it was kind of a two-parter uh, about Oklahoma coming into the league and, and going back and playing at Oklahoma. He didn't have to – to the guy who asked the question said, hey, I, I know there's some weird feelings. He didn't have to address that. So I, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't sidestep the, the guy bringing up the, the weird feelings with Oklahoma – uh, but at the end of the day, I, I just think it's it's hypo being political, Patrick, and, and and trying not to come out and be like, yeah, I, I hate those guys, F those guys. And my personal opinion, if if we're going to – and I can do it and, and y'all can sit back and, and not do it, but if we're going to completely buy into the does hypo take the Oklahoma job in the future storyline, as of today, like I would still say no. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, a ton of bad blood. Uh, between the the two and more so on Heupel's end, 
but I, I do think he is annoyed by how things went down. I, I don't think that. And I think he should he, be. Yes. But my opinion is that the answer he gave isn't reflective of how he actually feels and that he I, was just being political. Then I, th- I think how he actually feels, uh, we're going to find out when Tennessee plays over there and he tries to kick their ass. Can I say ass on this podcast? Yes. Yes. Ass is okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> they're just words, uh, the West. Yeah, they're just, uh, just I, words. Just words. Um, don't teach don't don't teach your kids those words though, guys. Um yeah, that, that I think if if you know Hypel is he comes across as kind of cool, calm, collected, but this guy's like kind of he's kind of super competitive. Yeah. Uh a little bit. He tries to hide it sometimes, but um I, I think that's a game he's gonna he's not gonna be worrying about it now because he's got a whole other season to to worry about in a recruiting class to finish, but um, that that game will have some extra juice for him, I think. I mean, I, he may love he may love the place, um, but last time he was there, they fired him. So uh, I think he'll want to go prove, hey, you you shouldn't have fired me. Look at me now. I've got this team that's better than you. I'm gonna come in there and kick your ass. So yeah, that's how. Yeah, go ahead. That, I think that's maybe the more likely scenario than him going to Oklahoma as a head coach. So he's he's got a good job here. He's getting paid really well. Uh, he's got things rolling at Tennessee. Why would he leave? Um, but uh, yeah, that there's some of those games. Uh, I think I think there were a couple of those games last year that that maybe Hypel goes into the same way, not because of those programs fired him, but just you know for different reasons. Um, you know, we we saw them trying to score however many points on Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they you know they were throwing double passes up forty five to seven in the second quarter on take UT that, Martin. Take that nerds. Yeah, against, um, against Missouri. Yeah. And then the there might be that if there was that game this year, I think it might be on September thirtieth. Yeah, I, I think uh the, there could be a little bit of uh that that whole Eric Cartman, Badal, Badal, how do you like me now? A little bit uh with with him there. But but I think my my last point is that I I think it's if you want to make an argument about what's a better job, Tennessee and the SEC or Oklahoma in the Big 12, you have a tough argument to make there because you can make really good points either way. If you're talking about is Tennessee or Oklahoma in the SEC a better job, you know, I don't know why you would necessarily want to leave there. I well, mean, that's why Lincoln Riley bailed, right? Yeah. He didn't, want, he didn't want the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a reason why maybe you don't That's what want, Oklahoma fans say. That, that, there's a reason why maybe you don't want, if especially if you've already got a good program built and they're kind of in the situation they're in now a little bit, sort of in kind of a, a tougher area. I, I, you know, that that's a tough that's a tough question. But I also think, in, and I think it's very real, Heupel's feelings about – Tennessee are very real. I think he's very happy where he is. I think his family's very happy where they are, and they should be. When you're the football coach at Tennessee and people are happy with you, you and your family are going to love life here. You are. Uh, now, if you if you struggle, maybe it's a little different, but this is a good place to be. A lot of a lot of coaches, even after they're they're fired or they retire, their families stay here. It's one of those communities where people like it. They they like sending their kids to school and raising them here and all those things and. You know, I can understand that. But what, what's not complicated at all is uh, Josh Heupel's relationship uh, with the University of Texas, uh, because uh, there was there might be some a mixed bag of emotions, a, a glass case of emotion with Oklahoma. 
Not so much with Texas. I think a former national championship winning quarterback uh, at Oklahoma, um, never been a big fan of Texas. And uh, he, he was very, very quick uh, when asked a question about, you know, Tennessee and, you know, shade of orange. He was like, no, there's only one UT and there's only one r- real shade of orange. So uh, that that's a guy who I think twofold, he's understanding his fan base and how they feel about when Texas is mentioned as UT and other things like that and the other UT that wears orange. And that's also a guy who played football at Oklahoma. <laughs> that's, there's some old Red River stuff going on there, I think. Uh, that, was, I, I, that was almost exactly the answer I thought he would give there. I don't know if anyone disagrees with that. that that's, that's fine. But I, to that, me, guys, that's that what he was like. supposed. That's what he was supposed to say. I, I thought it just highlighted how big of a waste of time SEC Media Days is. Like, why are we asking – one of the head coaches in the SEC, what the correct shade of of or the who the real UT is like? Why why is that one of the questions being asked at the podium? I I think it speaks to to Cause, the level cause, of cause nerds because t- TV people are looking for um for for content too. Probably is a reason. Sound bites. It, it, yeah. it speaks to the level of nerds that are in the media. It, it speaks to how big a waste of time SEC media days is, uh, and I'm sure Patrick agrees because he was. Uh, he was in the media scrum, but the the better information and, and better insight comes from the local media scrum because they are ac- asking actual questions uh, about the football program and, and not silly questions that you know what the answer is going to be. Especially with like, Hypo. You know if, what he's going to say. If you ask Hypo a big picture question, most nine times out of ten, you know what kind of answer you're going to get. Well, the, you, at least the you're main doing room. your job as a journalist asking him relevant questions and, instead of who the real UT is. What I mean, what is this? Middle school football? I mean, that it, it was a good answer that you like as a Tennessee fan. There's no question My about that. My dad could beat I up just, your dad. Yeah. It's just like, what 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 are we doing here? Patrick, what what were kind of the big things that stood out? Um because obviously the the local media scrum is is not something that's televised. Um, but you were there. Uh, did anything in particular stand out, or was Josh Heupel Josh Heupel? Well, a cu- couple things. First of all, the Texas fans uh, probably remember Josh Heupel as the quarterback for when Oklahoma beat him 63-14 in 2000. Yeah. Um, they, so they, that, they, van- I know some, they vandied him, yeah. I know I know. There, there's some Texas fans I know that are like, yeah, I don't like that guy <laughs> for, for that reason. Uh, it. it and the other thing about media days, the part that everybody sees on TV, those those people that ask those questions nine times out of ten are just trying to get on TV. That's you know they're trying to get their say their names and affiliate on 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 the SEC network and see if you can get a good you know get a, a laugh from Nick Saban or whatever. Um, or you're one of those people that's writing one of those inane like AI taking over college football stories. Um, yeah. The the main takeaways for me, um, and, and I always try to find different kind of angles because so much of this is as you guys talked about it's kind of not really a waste of time but you try to find things that are unique and so uh, i was in one of the side rooms and somebody asked jacob warren about emmanuel koye guys played football for like a couple months um and he's like vertical jumping 45 5 and broad jumping 11 foot you know 11 3 and and warren's like he's one of the most he's one of the best athletes i've ever seen in my life and so you find stuff like that and then you know i kind of follow up with him in the next room and he's like yeah sometimes he talks in an english accent because he lived in london other times he talks in a nigerian accent because he's from nigeria and it it's kind of funny going back and forth he doesn't know what he's doing right now but when he gets you know you watch him run and jump and cut it's really amazing 
And once he figures out what he's doing, he could be pretty good. You know, you find stuff like that. Uh, another angle I found was uh, kind of Joe Milton's kind of leadership style because he and Hinden Hooker are not, they're not similar people. I think we've all been around them enough to know that they have different kind of styles, different kind of personalities. Hinden's like this, like, uh, they almost had to get him to try to relax his Ro- first year. A robot, here. a robot, yeah. Right, he's so serious, and he's just this film junkie that's like so obsessive about how how he prepares. Milton is absolutely a hard worker. I'm, nobody's going to ever question that. But he's 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 a little more relax, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more loose. And um, he kind of talked about a question I asked him upstairs in the in the local media thing that that Ben mentioned was. You know, how are your teammates responding to you differently now that, that you're the starter? Because, you know, they've, they've expressed confidence in you, but now you're the guy, you're the voice. Um, and he said that, you know, being the backup allowed him to sort of build bonds with a lot a lot of guys on the team. And um, it kind of came out that he has a way he connected with a lot of his teammates is through these, like, in you know, personalized handshakes. And so I get him in another room and, and he talked about it there and, talked about how when Hendon was at media days and Hendon was out in New York city doing the NIL trip and all those things, Milton was back with the team, you know, going through workouts, hanging with the team, um, you know, being on the sideline probably gave him a lot of time to kind of talk to other guys um, on the offense and defense. And so, you know, that, that allowed him to sort of be um, somebody wow. that everybody on the team likes. And he, he connected with these guys through handshakes. And I asked him how many, how much of the team do you have handshakes with? And he's like 85%. Like that's a pretty high that's a pretty high clip. So I had to go ask Jacob Warren to kind of corroborate that. I'm like, do you you know do you guys have one? Does he have that with a lot of guys? Is that you know kind of is that accurate? And he's like, yeah, I don't even know how he remembers them all. Warren said he's got two or three with a couple teammates, and he can't remember those. Uh, and so just little little things like that that show you kind of how Joe Milton is and, and kind of what his connection is with the team because you know we hear. Josh Heupel talk about, oh, well, he was a leader for us last year. You guys didn't know it. You're like, well, how is the backup quarterback leader? Like, you know, that doesn't – you hear that on the surface, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Well, this is kind of why, and and this is kind of, I think, why he's um, – as Warren put it, everybody on the team likes Joe just because, his, just because of his energy and because he takes the time to make, you know, other guys on the team, probably guys he's got handshakes with that we don't even, like, know who they are. You know, the most people aren't going to know who they are. They don't play. Maybe they're walk-ons, but they have value on the team because – they contribute. They're part of the team. So that that shows you a little bit how, um, you know, a, a little bit of insight into into what Milton is and, and kind of his how the team views him. And that's important because, as we saw with Hooker, when you have a guy like that, that teammates will follow and that fires guys around him up every day uh, to work hard and, and be the best they can be, you can have special results. So I, I try to find things like that at these events, but um, I, I think the best things Hybel talked about was some of the NCAA stuff, just kind of mm-hmm. detailing um, that, yeah, they got a favorable ruling, but he was like, it was hard. I mean, they lost 35 players. They had the 25 counter, so they couldn't, it's not like they could like overhaul the entire roster like Deion Sanders has done or, you know, Arizona State's brought in like 40 new guys. They couldn't do that. Um, they came in and, you know, they lost 30-something guys. They couldn't bring recruits on, on campus because it was still a dead period. Everybody was negative recruiting them at the time. A lot of it was being sensationalized is the word he kept using. Um, and, and he said they could have taken a, a bull ban in 2021. Nobody would have blamed him for it. They could have been really bad. But um, I think that was an important step to not doing it because it kind of aligned with his view that they shouldn't put a ceiling on what they could be and, and how long it would take to get to whatever ceiling that was. So 
Um, I think some of the best stuff he said upstairs before he started doing the, the rounds, Ben, was talking about kind of the the, the journey through uh, this NCA situation. And uh, I think his best line on it was, and you think about it now, Tennessee got kind of got a favorable outcome, but he was like, I don't recommend this, uh, which kind of shows you what all they had to go through and how much of a challenge it's been and how it's been kind of hanging out there and something that they've had to uh, – uh, to maneuver through and navigate over over these last two plus years. Yeah, I think what what Pat left out there is that he and Joe Milton then did their own handshake, which is like, uh, it's it's like a did fi- they? It, it's like a fist bump handshake, and then it turns into a jaw Morant windmill, and then they do like little typing fingers. That that's Pat. Is this real or is it, is no, it you not, making this up? No, that's you. That's you and Joe Milton's secret handshake. I just told everybody. Oh, it was. oh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the th- it's the combination of three things. You go in with the with the shake or whatever, and then you do the jaw windmill, and then you finish it off by doing a little tap 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 of the fingers, and that's for for journalism. And that's all those. Well, now would it be thumbs? Would it be thumbs now? Would it be thumbs? Capital J journalism. Yeah, capital J, big J, big J Milton, big J journalism. It's just a match made in heaven. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that was important um, because this is the first time in two years, first time since since Heupel's been at Tennessee that people cannot negatively recruit against Tennessee by saying, "Hey, um, they're going to be on probation. They're going to be well, they're on probation, but they're they're going to have a bowl ban. They're not going to be able to compete, compete for championships." Yada yada. I mean, teams have been hammering Tennessee with that for two years, and now they can't. And I think that's something that 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 cannot be exaggerated. How important that is. How much of a headache uh, that is for Tennessee to have removed. Um, but I thought, you know, obviously with Milton being the guy, one of the guys there, that's going to be one of the main storylines because this team. I mean, we all know, right? That since football has been played, not every year. But mostly since football's been a sport, quarterback's been the biggest position on the field. You could argue back in the day that running back would have been more important and some other things. That It's quarterback, 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 then maybe edge rusher, then offensive tackle. Um, but you're going to go as far as your quarterback's going to take you. The days of Trent Dilfer winning a Super Bowl, probably pretty much over, right? at least for, for, for a while, that kind of stuff. So uh, I do think that Milton is the story. And it's this is the ultimate team sport, but without a quarterback, you're you're not going to get much done. Um, and I think it was important that that Milton mentioned a lot of the things that he did. I also thought this was something I did not notice. Pat probably did notice this. Um, is that Milton is ten to fifteen pounds lighter on the roster this season, and when you see him in person, you can tell. He looks like he's a little bit slimmer. Um, I, I imagine he's probably still stronger and faster than he was because that's how workout programs work um but he looked a little different to me like i'd be interested to watch him run when he needs to run this year i would bet especially with that leg healthy and being a little lighter i bet he moves a little bit better yeah i i think that's the that was the the motivation for him dropping a little bit he was at 242 on last year's roster and i think that was what he at he was at in the spring They've got to listen. Listen to two thirty-five. Did that come up at all when he was talking? No, to us? because I didn't. I noticed. I for, when I saw him, I, I immediately went. Well, he looks a little thinner this year. Um, but I, he was he wasn't asked about it when I was there. No, probably probably one of the bigger takeaways with him too is and and you were there and we've heard him say this before is that if you if you mentioned that that Joe lost quote unquote <laughs> the starting job at Tennessee two years ago, he he will like politely stop you and be like no 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 that's not right politely but immediately um, politely but immediately and, like mid-question he will stop you and that's a that's a narrative you you hear and, and probably will continue to hear from from 
the national level is that, oh, this is his third chance. Can he not be benched this time? And it's like, uh, he, that, I mean, he, maybe it's bravado on his part, but it's also, I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, he, he was he, legitimately he had, injured, like a torn something down there. You know, even, even go back to Michigan, his first start against Minnesota, he looks like a million bucks. And then I think he had like a 300 yard game against Michigan State and kind of, it kind of went downhill from there, but he had a thumb injury that was bad enough that he had to have surgery before he went in the portal. So he had, so he had surgery after the season and before he transferred. Um, and then the Pittsburgh game, everyone thinks, you know, they kind of forget that he got knocked out. He didn't like go down and leave. I think he heard, he said he tore, he told us last season uh, on, on media day in Knoxville that he tore two ligaments in his ankle. Yep. And I think it was when he got, tracked down on a long run against Pittsburgh. He stayed in the game, though, yep. so most people forget that he was hurt. Uh, or maybe he uh, – it may have been when he got sacked. I can't remember which play it was. I think, he, I I think it's he when specified. he got caught on the long run, I think, is when it happened, I think. Yeah, okay, Ben's nodding his head. I, ben knows more than I do, so um, I tend to, to – don't shake your head at me now. I was complimenting the only, you. The only thing I know better than you is Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Here we go. We're not going there. Here we go. Uh we're not going there. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so, I mean, he, he said he couldn't play the next week. And uh, I know it was Tennessee Tech, but and Hooker took over. And I mean, uh, the next week was Florida, and Tennessee did not want to play Milton in that game. I remember Heifel saying that afterwards, but Hooker got knocked out early in the fourth quarter and they had to put Milton in. Uh, so people kind of forget that he was hurt. I think he was, he, he told us last year he couldn't run for a few weeks. Um, so. Yeah, that that's that's and if you're a Tennessee fan, you like to hear that because this guy's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Like he's going to be motivated, um, and uh, you know that if he keeps hearing that, and maybe if he doesn't get all SEC, whenever that comes out, I don't know who the quarterbacks are going to be. Um, I voted Joe Milton. I did too. I voted him for him second behind Jane Daniels. Who I did too. Daniel, people, some people on our board were like, "Why is Bar Peoples Ohio and LSU?" And I'm like, "Because Jane Daniels good. is there, and Alabama's quarterback situation is a big." shrugging emoji oh you mean it has three uh, five stars and they can't figure out which five star to use uh no it's not it's it's Jalen milrow could barely beat texas a&m ty simpson is a freshman and and they just they the the new coordinator they hired brought the guy in that they that he went to the portal to replace <laughs> so um, oh, you mean uh Jalen milrow who was a, a red shirt freshman who could barely uh, beat texas a&m right right um but like uh Jane Daniels has a little hooker to his game. I, I kind of watched some more of their game. I like Daniels. Like he kind yeah. of, he kind of is like, and he's got a good, he's, he's got a, he's got a good coach down there. too. And I was does. not really a Jane Daniels guy going into last season, but, um, and he had a yeah. lot of weapons this year. True. And, and, you know, I think, I think Milton is, um, you know, you want him to have that chip on his shoulder. You want to have that motivation to, you know, prove himself. And, um, you know, you, you he, he it, it's a great story because he was a guy that a lot of Tennessee fans were over a couple of years ago. Yes. And now like they're all rooting for the guy, everything that, that kind of comes. Yeah. Everything that kind of comes out about him, they watch him throw the ball a mile. They watch him, you know, do, you know, kind of hang out with Nico and go to New York and all this stuff. And, and now they're like, we, we want this guy to succeed so bad. It's like, it, it's just kind of funny. It's a great story. And, and, uh, even on a human level, you kind of hope it all works out for this guy because of what he's been through. Yes, I, I tweeted that out last night. Uh, I, I tweeted last night, it's hard not to root for a guy uh, like Joe Milton. And I had quote tweeted a little sit-down snippet that he had with Paul Feinbaum and just discussing the impact that his grandma and his great-grandma have had on him uh, and, and kind of how 
They they pray together e- even before the game when they're not physically next to one another. But when he goes down to the goalpost and 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 kneels to pray, like he, he says that his grandma's praying at the same time, and uh, just kind of detailing how family oriented he is and how faith oriented he is. Like it it's I know in in our profession we're supposed to have the capital J journalist hat on and and not play favorites and. and be right down the middle but you you do cover individuals who you want to see have success just because they are they're good people who deserve it and i do think that joe milton uh is is very deserving of a type of season that lives up to his potential that everybody's always been talking about when they talk about joe milton and I, i will say like it'll it'll be a really really cool story if joe milton has a great year because what you just detailed, Patrick, this hasn't always been the Joe Milton that existed. You know, yes, he has had some injury luck. I have the opinion that whether he gets injured against Pittsburgh or not, at some point, Hinn and Hooker's going to get a get a chance. He was missing too many throws. Like the offense was was stalling out. Milton right. was missing too many throws. At some point, in my opinion, Milton was going to get benched. So that's not I a stretch, the, right? Right. And I love the confidence from him. I absolutely love it but like he has had to change who he is as a leader as a quarterback as a passer he's had to completely change the way that he goes about his business he is a terrific worker he, he's a very hard worker like you said earlier Patrick but there were times when he first became starting quarterback that fall camp leading into Heupel's first season Milton's first season where Milton maybe no showed on a 30-minute throwing session with his receivers. And and it was because he was overly confident and and thought that either his ability could take over and, and handle everything or that he just he was too confident in, in his ability, which is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because you don't think that maybe you need to, to work a, a little extra when you need to. Uh, that's what you saw from Hendon is like, yeah, Hendon's great, Hendon's confident, but he never stops working. And I think Joe did have to to self-evaluate and recalibrate himself and understand like, hey, like, yes, I have all this God-given ability, but it's not going to go out here and, and get the job done in the SEC. I mean, he told the story of, about how the SEC and the Big Ten is, is different and how in the Big Ten he can kind of run away from guys and, and he gets to the SEC and is like, I, I see this wide open end zone, the goal line, I think in – I'm thinking I'm about to score, and then the next thing I know, a, a big old Paul comes across my visor, and, and and I'm going down. Like I think he had a, a realization that he needed to change the way that he was going about his business. And I'm not trying to say that he was lazy or a bad teammate. It just wasn't what it needed to be for a starting quarterback to succeed at this level. Uh, and I, I do think you you detailed greatly just how he has evolved into a much better leader because of his time watching hit hooker go about his business so to to see him do a complete 180 just him as a person him as a leader inside the locker room and then we saw the difference in him as a quarterback last season in in mop-up duty against Vanderbilt against Clemson he looked like a actual quarterback instead of an athlete playing quarterback and and I think he's going to have a tremendous season Uh, Patrick I know you have one more point before we throw it back to Wes I think he's going to have a tremendous season uh, and I, I would be very surprised if, if he 
if he does not have a successful season, I think you'll have some some frustrating moments here and there just because his his game is kind of boom or bust. Uh, that's just kind of his playing style. But I, I think it speaks to, to my confidence in the sense of like, to me, he's not even the biggest question mark on this offense. I think for maybe people outside of Knoxville, it is. But I have more question marks with the offensive line than I do Joe Milton. And that speaks to my confidence that I think Joe's going to ha- go out and have a great year. Yeah, following up on a couple of things you said, Ben. He, um, you know, he's. I think one of the biggest things going into this stint as as a starter is he just knows that the team around him so much better. You know, he'd yep. been on campus for a couple of months uh, when he got here. Six in, months, twenty twenty one. Six months shorter than six months less than Hooker had been with the guys. Right. So I mean, he's been throwing to Melkeed for three years. He's been throwing to Brew and Squirrel for you know year, you know two years now. So he he just knows these guys. He knows little things about him that, that, that helped hooker, you know, he, um, and, and I think that matters. And it's something that, that, as you were talking that, that, um, came up in my mind was, was listening to Jacob Warren talk about Milton yesterday and said that he respected, and I'm guessing he echoes what a lot of players thought too, is that their respect level grew for him when he stayed after that season. Cause, um, they saw how he handled everything and how he stayed and, and, was more committed, I think, was the way to put it, and and that sort of backs up the, uh, the 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 note that Ben had, where maybe he wasn't always committed at first, but um, he was committed to not only being a great player, but he was committed to being a great player at Tennessee, which I, I think that that turned a lot of, um, you know, that 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 caused a lot of belief and respect and and confidence from those around Joe to grow, and so um, that's why early last season they were like, you know, you you heard a lot publicly and privately that, you know, we got a lot of confidence, confidence in this guy. We believe in this guy. If he gets a chance, he's going to go play well. Um, I think he changed a lot of tunes um, internally first before he got the chance on the field last season to sort of change the tune on him as a player, if that makes sense. Right. So he, he maybe, he maybe won his, the guys closest to him over before he started winning some fans over or maybe not winning them over, but lowering the number of doubters and, detractors that he had if you if you want to put it that way yeah the way that the way that milton put it to me when i talked to him yesterday was i i just kind of asked him what what's different about you than two years ago like what people are going to want to know like you just for whatever you know for whatever reason didn't work out the first time um the way you wanted it to so what's different now and i I, the way he put it to me and, and a couple of other guys around him at that point was he and it's something that completely very very quickly resonated with me personally was he said uh, he had a hard time early in his career being comfortable without being complacent like anytime he got comfortable he got complacent and i that throughout my life i can i can think about that in a lot of reasons being a thing and probably a lot of people if we're being honest with ourselves can say the same thing it it's a thing um, sometimes you can't be comfortable without being complacent. And he's learned how to be comfortable in his own skin, comfortable with his surroundings, with his teammates, comfortable with life, but not complacent. Um, because you get complacent at this level, you stop working to get better, um, you're you're gonna you're not gonna have the results that you want. And I think that's something that he didn't know when he was 19, 20 years old, 18 years old, and now he's 23, and I think he feels like he knows that now. And I think that's something that could be very, very, very beneficial for him. So I think that's a that's a big part of the story um, with that. But before we get out of here, anything else? I know that 
Um, quickly, I think Milton said that somehow Squirrel White's faster than he was last year, which he didn't think was possible, but it looks like he said Squirrel White is faster. Um, he said a lot of the guys on defense, some of the names that you would expect, but um, have, have had really good offseasons, Beasley, guys like that. Um, he also said, Tennessee fans, sort of cover your ears for a second here. He said Warren Burrell being healthy ha- has really, really helped the defense. And he said that Warren Burrell's had a really good offseason and that a healthy Warren Burrell uh, it looks like a really good player right now for Tennessee's defense. Uh, so I know Tennessee fans won't love hearing that probably, some of them, well, but that's should. what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. But- they they should they should I know the point that you're making Wes and and you're right, um, but they should be excited to hear that because if if it's if that translates then then that solves a huge question. Justin mark Coleman for, for, later in his career became a much different player. And like, ben, who's I, your, who's who's your new Trayvon Flowers been? Uh, Jalen McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> I I I uh ooh th- this is a, a quick aside. Uh, I I I'll I'll, I'll admit that I, I threw Jalen McCullough under the bus bad the other day. To your point, Patrick's point is is that I was not a huge Trayvon Flowers fan, um, and uh, Swain and I uh, on the show that we've been doing, uh, my my talking point the last couple of weeks has been that Tobey Awaka is going to lead the SEC in rebounding. Yeah, and and he asked me like, hey, who else on on campus do you feel confident? Are you taking Tobey, or is there another person on campus that you feel confident leading the SEC in some statistic? And and he asked me that, and in my head it, it popped up that you know Jalen McCullough will probably lead the SEC in missed tackles. Uh, so I, I need to, to take that into consideration. But uh, I'm I'm sorry, Jalen. I, I couldn't help myself. I could not help myself. Um, but Warren Burrell, like. Patrick, well, let me backtrack. I want to say about the receivers first and foremost. I don't think enough people are talking about Tennessee's wide receiver room as a whole. I think they're kind of aware of Brew McCoy. They're they're well, aware there's the, of the narrative is that they lost Hyatt and Tillman. What are they going to do? That's correct. the narrative, right? And, and that's like a fair question and a fair storyline. But I I think they're going to be perfectly fine, if not great, at receiver. I, I think Dante Thornton's in for a big season. That's well documented by everybody who covers Tennessee at this point. Uh, I don't think Brew McCoy's getting enough buzz outside of Knoxville or even to, to within the, Knoxville. To that to that point, Heupel said he is quote extremely healthy. Uh, talking about Brew and said he's as explosive as he's seen him. Yeah, I think Brew's going to so, have a great year and and be like a top three round pick. I think Dante's going to have a great year and be a top three round pick. I think Ramel Keaton's going to be the most consistent receiver in the entire room. Uh, I'm a big fan of what Ramel Keaton has turned himself into at that position. Squirrel White, not enough people are talking you about play him. Slot, you play slot in this offense, you're going to put up numbers. Yes, and now I think Don, he's going to be behind Dante. Maybe Patrick can correct me if I'm wrong. but I think No, Dante I, I agree. I, I think I think Heupel said publicly what a lot of us have heard privately about Dante. Uh, yes. That this dude's this dude's going to be legit, and which is weird. I don't want to put too much height. There's a lot of people in Oregon in that program too who think that they've upgraded with the guy they brought in and uh, over him there. So we shall see. I think a lot of people in Tennessee are thinking they have a real player there. So we'll see who's right. Like I think Brew is going to have a career year. I think Dante is going to have a career year, and I think Romel is going to have a career year. And I think Squirrel is going to take a big step going from his freshman to sophomore year. And like I, I don't think I'm buying the offseason hype. Like I, I really think that the receiver room is in a great position. So I wanted to make that point about the receivers um, because Wes brought up Squirrel. Like I, I don't think enough people are are talking about that position 
maybe even within the world of Tennessee, but even outside of Knoxville as well. But the point that I was going to make about Warren Burrell, Patrick, is I understand the frustrations. I get it. He has really struggled at times. But I also look at him and don't think, oh, man, that guy cannot play DB. I, 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 he kind of, he they does missed him the last year, did they not? Yes, when he they, got they hurt, absolutely they missed did. Him. And I remember after Heifel's first season, that 2021 season, it seemed like Warren Burrell was in position to make every single play. He just could not finish the rep, could not finish the play, yeah. could not make the play. And I remember talking to to Jonathan Wade, former Tennessee corner. He joined us on the Swain event. And asking him, like, hey, how how do you reach the point of finally making the play? Like, what what needs to change in order to get over the hump? And uh, if I remember correctly, Jay Wade was, I mean, he he kind of played it down to the sense of, like, you just want to be in position to make the play, and, and it'll start to come with, with experience. So I know Tennessee fans have have kind of given up on him, and I'm not saying people are wrong for doing so. I guess the point that I'm making, Patrick, is like I would not at all be surprised if Warren Burrell, I'm not going to say he's going to be all SEC worthy, but like I, I think that guy has the potential, and it would not be surprising to me if he had a good year. Yeah. Well, I, you could you could lay out any sort of about three dozen scenarios for what happens at cornerback for this team, and I would be like, yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, there's just so much unknown there with, with the veterans they have. Um, you know, you could tell me that Kamal Haddon's going to be great. You could tell me that he's going to continue to be kind of like he was at the end of last season. Um, so there, there's a lot of things there. While we are talking about guys talking up guys, I will mention that uh, Amari Thomas is hyping up Bryson Eason. It's not because he's also a Memphian, mm, um, because other people have talked suspicious. up other people have talked up Eason too. But um, I, I think he's um, he, he was asked about who's a who's a you know breakout guy on defense that that we need to be looking for, and he immediately went to Eason. So. Um, and Easton finished the season strong last year. You know, there's a few guys on this team that Milton being one of them, I'd probably throw Wesley Walker in there. Um, that, that, you know, you could throw squirrel in there too, that finished last season strong, you know, played well late in the year. And then now they've kind of kept on building on it. And Easton didn't start any games during the regular season, but, uh, when they've kind of reset everything in bowl practices, he won that starting job at, at defensive tackle. I thought he played decent, um, play, played pretty well against Clemson. So, um, I think he's a guy that's that's got the air turning up. And, you know, a year ago, Ronnie Garner was like, this guy's got a lot of talent. And when Ronnie Garner says you have a lot of talent, that, you know, you're that you're raising your eyebrows to that. So um, that that was one other note I'll throw in there. And I think I'm done. I, I think and I've said everything I need to say. And he supposedly looks good. I'm, I just kind of blanked out watching Jordan Spieth. I'm a big Jordan Spieth guy, and he's, he's going off today in round two. So I apologize if you said this, Patrick. Uh, I, I, I ignored you, uh, quite frankly. Thank you. Uh, but Eason looks good. Did did you note that? Uh, no, but I've heard that. I you yes. you you were doing the same thing that my wife does is ignoring me to watch Jordan Spieth. Um, <laughs> she's a Jordan Spieth fan too. But uh, no, he, it, it's it's wild that Eason like came here as like a two hundred sixty five pound linebacker, and we we're all like, yeah, you're probably going to be a defensive lineman soon. But now he's a defensive tackle. He's like three ten. Uh, you know, but and and looks like, as you said, Ben, uh, there's a some lean. people that are impressed. Yes. And I think Amari's leaned up a little bit, too. Uh, that's something he talked about back in the spring. So um, I, I think they're trying to get quicker and maybe uh, maybe get some more pass rush from those interior guys. I think they are. Enough people are not talking about Kurt Schmidt, Wes. That, that's kind of my final thought. Well, that guy doesn't. He, great. We've had we've covered a slew of strength coaches here, all three of us. 
Yeah. Um, and he's the most like, I don't do any media. I don't do any interviews. I'm not talking. I don't want people to know who I am. I'm just going to do my job. And my and whole Frank my, Anderson, baby. My whole name is two syllables. <laughs> yeah. My whole name is two syllables. That's how much I don't want people to remember me. You know, that, that kind of, that kind of vibe. So yeah, that's. Yeah. That's do we, it, we should mention Brian Grant while we're talking about Kurt Schmidt. Cause he's listed at 329 pounds, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. Cause oh. he did not look like that last, last fall. He, he looked like, he looked like 229 pounds. Last year, yes, he looks like <laughs> right. a former basketball player, which is what he was when when he co- committed. So, Kurt Schmidt, it, it has been a roller coaster of, of strength coaches for Tennessee the last decade, um, but Kurt Schmidt is is doing some some great things. And you know, people who have been around college football and and worked and played in college football, they all say that the most important position on staff behind the head coach is the strength coach. And I think that the the last two off seasons you you are seeing why that there are so many guys that look really really good there's a lot of hype around elijah simmons trimming down um, hell yeah the street, oh, oh, oh boy the hell yeah don't, don't get him going my dude the strength and conditioning is is not going to be the issue for this football team because they, they all look great and, and kurt schmidt is, is doing an awesome job so I, hype's not going to randomly like kick him to the curb and hire one of the assistants Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't help it. Good times, good times. Thought I'd butch. Lots and lots of memories. Memories. Mem- hashtag memories, guys. We we have covered quite a bit of ground on this one, and welcome back officially uh, to football season now, where we get things rolling with the pod with football season and getting into that rotation. Well, and you know what? Well, go ahead. Well, Pat. we had we had we had people saying we weren't doing enough football pods, so we decided to come back with a a nice big long football pod yeah to hope, appease everyone hope you're hope you're enjoying it uh because this is uh we're still going to do basketball and baseball pods obviously because they're part of the year-long rotation no no more but, they're done uh, just shelved. just just all just all it's all football all the time all football 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 those football, other football, sports football. are over football 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 well, king football you know what they say about baseball west and patrick what is it that they say it's it's just uh people's imagination and wishful thoughts there you go there you go. Guys, uh, this has been uh, a good episode. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we got a lot more to cover, but we will leave that for Monday. Uh, so hope everybody out there has a good weekend. Hope everything goes well. Have fun. Don't get in any trouble while you're doing it. Guys, you got anything else going on? Got anything else you got to say? Nope. Bye. Patrick uh, looked confused by my wishful thinking comment. Just go jump on the Mississippi State board and you understand what I'm talking about. There you go. That's <laughs> oh, how we'll end it. <laughs> He's, it's over, too. He muted himself. That's how we'll end it. See you guys. See you on Monday. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.